Welcome today to uh, Business Doing Good, uh, sponsored by Good Cities. Today the topic is technology that serves those who serve. And our guest is Mike Simon from Simon Solutions. Uh, the purpose of the uh, Business Doing Good calls is to highlight businesses that have um, a business model with a social purpose. So as we mentioned, today our guest is um, Mike Simon from Simon Solutions. Um, I met Mike when he was on the Good Cities Board. When I joined the Good Cities Board, Mike was on. And he has, um, I think, one of the most, uh, I'll say, amazing <laughs> business stories where he found a social need in the community and started a business for the purpose of serving that social need and that business has been viable from when he started till now. A lot of the a lot of the people that we talk to on the business doing good calls have a business that was launched to meet a need in the market and then as they go along they accomplish some good in the community and Mike started his business uh to address a community need and it's been very successful. And I realize I didn't say who I was. <laughs> uh I'm Scott Myers. Uh I work at Good Place Holdings. And I'm on the board of Good Play of Good Cities uh, with Glenn, who is um, out of town and not able to host the call today. So, Mike, if you would tell us uh, the story of how Simon Solutions came into being. Well, it's uh, it's an honor and privilege to to be uh, on the call today. Uh, you'll you'll learn real quickly that I have a Southern accent. I am from Alabama. And uh, at times I do have to take interpreters with me uh, when I do <laughs> speak. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to understand understand me today. Uh, but uh, Simon uh, Solutions, uh, I would would have to say, is a God story, and uh, it was one in, in which I don't I don't even know how it all really came to being and became as successful as it is uh, without help. Uh, from the Lord, and uh, I, I'm, I, I cannot suggest that I'm a marketing genius or I've got expertise. Uh, you know, I do have background in uh, working in uh, large uh, churches. I served on the executive staff of churches. Of, I've served on the executive staff for nonprofits, and then of course in business as well. Uh, but. Uh, it really kind of started uh, in uh, 2006 is when we got started. And uh, it, we were, uh, my son and I, uh, wanted to uh, have a business that was would meet the needs of, of churches. That's how we got started. And we were going to provide social networking platforms. Uh, for churches, and so we rallied together some investors and some uh, software developers, and that's what we were doing. And but everything changed for us around October of 2006. And that day, uh, a lady from our community in Northwest Alabama, her name by by the name of Tina Scott, she was the director of the United Way. She came to us asking for help. She had knew about my son and, and and others who had just launched a new technology company, and she had hopes that somehow, uh, some way, we would help her deal with the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. 
And if you remember Hurricane Katrina, it hit the Gulf Coast in 2005, and many lives were lost, and communities were destroyed, and over a million people were displaced. So a lot of families sought refuge in northwest Alabama. And the churches, the Red Cross, United Way, and others, they all scrambled to meet the needs of the families who had lost virtually everything. Unfortunately, resources ran dry quickly because of our lack of coordination and unity among us. So when Tina came to us, she had a great need. And she was looking for a web-based solution, and she wanted something that was cost-effective and something that was very, very simple to use and very secure. So uh, we uh, we took a moment uh, and thought about, uh, is this something we really want to do? After all, we're moving in this other direction. And if we pulled off of this project to do something for our local community, uh, would it distract us from our uh, goals of what we were doing in building other web-based solutions? And uh, we kind of convinced ourselves that this will be a short-term project and we'll build this pilot project for our community, give it to them, let them use it for a year. We'll do a little tweak on it here and there, and but it will be our gift uh, to the community. So we got together and we created what is now called Charity Tracker. And uh, it's really turned out to be an innovative tool that makes it easier for churches, nonprofits, and others to kind of work together more efficiently and effectively to address complex community challenges like poverty and hunger and homelessness. And so the agencies here locally, they were able to share information about the people they served in a central repository for information sharing and communications. And they also were able to quickly mobilize resources from all across the community. Now, here's where the amazing part of the story gets. What was only meant to be a local solution has now evolved into a national model that's used by thousands of helping agencies in over 1,200 cities across the country. And it's growing at a rate of 100 new cities each year. And it's interesting that our tools, as they developed over the years, are now used by charitable nonprofits, churches, many, many food banks across the country, hospitals, government, and more. And uh, it's just an amazing story of how what we are doing is kind of energizing the innovators and early adopters that are in the community who want to find a way in which they can work together for common good and greater impact. And so this tool becomes kind of like it jump starts uh, community conversations about uh, how do we better serve the people in our community? And it's just like I said, it's because it's a God story, and you, we couldn't have, we couldn't have made this happen. And it's just amazing uh, what has happened, and we're we're still growing and still going, and uh, and there's probably much more of this story that can be shared, and we don't have time to even talk about all the stories I can share. But anyway, that's how we got started. So that's uh, that's pretty amazing. And I love the 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 top down overview of the of the whole business and the whole offering and the the customer types. Can you maybe highlight a couple stories? Uh, so you told us about early on with with the United Way. Um, 
how you got started. Maybe share a little bit of, of how implementing Charity Tracker helped the United Way with the situation you were facing. Well, in our local community, uh, they described the way that they distributed resources. They said, and this was in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, they discovered uh, that the right hand did not know what the left hand was doing. And that was a major, major concern with them. And that's why they realized that their resources were ran dry, you know, real quickly. And they 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 also knew that they they needed to figure out uh just how they could work together in a practical way. And uh one of the ways that they said they needed to one of the things they needed to do was to improve the way they interacted with each other so that they could reduce the duplication of efforts in our area and allocate their limited resources where they were most needed. And they realized that they they had to do it as a community as opposed just to an agency approach. They wanted collective impact as opposed to isolated impact. And they knew that they wanted to do more than just help people get by through what we may be called transactional exchange. And they wanted to provide a way for them to get ahead to a better quality of life. And they needed a way in which they could, you know, monitor uh, what resources they were giving. They needed to know who the other uh, stakeholders in the community were, and those who provided food or clothing or emergency uh, shelter or emergency funds or such like that. And they, they really didn't know who the other people were in their community. And so this was a driving factor for we've we got to do this better. Now, we've been doing it this way on our own for many years. Let's see what, how, how well we can do if we do it together. So it's, it's a classic case of really moving into what many have, been, have, have called asset-based community development. And uh, as a result of it, Tina was so thrilled about what was going on that uh, we got a call uh, about four months after we got started, and she says, Mike, you, you better get ready. And we, I said, get ready for what? She goes, I'm getting calls from other United Ways in our state, and they want this system in their communities. I said, they do. And she says, are you ready to uh, let others have this system? I said, well, we never thought about it. And she said, well, you need to start thinking about it because uh, they're going to start calling you. And uh, she was right. So I know from previous discussions that you and I have had, um, you mentioned uh, hospitals, United Ways, but there's been times where, like, county uh, county executives or, or city mayors uh, have talked to you about implementing that for their municipality and their region. Uh, address maybe a couple of those stories. Well, I'll give you a quick example. Right around our area is a town called Murfreesboro, Tennessee, it's just uh, southwest of Nashville, uh, and uh, the United Way there had a community impact director who who, who caught vision uh, for what could happen if if every helping agency in the community was networked, you know, in the public, private, and social sector. And so he got the mayor involved and said, Mayor, you know, can you can you imagine if we were able to really know 
uh, where all our resource, resource providers and resources are in, throughout our entire community, uh, what that would mean and how that would better serve people and, and help them get the, the resources they need you know, quickly. And even if an organization uh, that uh, maybe an individual or family went to and the organization says, well, we're out of resources, we, we don't have what you need, but using our system they can quickly uh, uh, tap into the service and they can quickly find the other organizations in the area that provided for those appropriate resources and then refer them to them. So, so a whole entire city in Murfreesboro is using our system uh, for that. And uh, another example is uh, out of Charleston, South Carolina, uh, the United Way there. And uh, they caught vision for it, and uh, it's been amazing what they've done. Uh, they have over uh, 300 organizations that are networked together, 900 caregivers, and uh, they are working together to, you know, improve people's lives, you know, not only from an emergency standpoint, but also for long-term sustainability. And so this has become really remarkable. It's, 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 it's innovative, or in some people call this revolutionary, to say the least. <laughs> well, I, I've always thought that it has been. Uh, for years, I've heard people say, why doesn't something like this exist? And, and you've created it. And I wish we had more time because I'd like to get into some of the details of uh, how, do, how, do indiv how are individual people impacted by that? How are individual agencies impacted by that or individual areas of need in cities impacted by what you're able to do through Charity Tracker? We don't have time for that. I have two more questions I'd like to ask before I open it up. Uh, for anyone on the call to ask some questions. Um, and the first one is, um, what response have you seen and what kind of involvement have you seen from the church, whether that's church congregations or um, church collaboratives or, or ministries or ministry collaboratives as, as you've had experiences with Charity Tracker? Well, what we discovered is that is that the church is the largest repository of caring power in the community. So it just makes sense uh, for churches to be a part of it. And uh, we, we have, well, we have thousands of churches that, that are uh, working together in communities. But here, here's the cool part. Uh, we do have uh, networks that are just strictly churches, uh, but we have most of our networks are uh, there, there are church, nonprofit, government, healthcare working together in the network, and that's really, really cool. And uh, it's, it's, it'll give an opportunity, uh, and and I don't really have probably have much time to even talk about this. It gives a community an opportunity to transform from a social service model to a social change model. And that's mm -hmm. where people and communities are transformed. That's very cool. And and my last question, which might be, uh, I don't know if I'd say most significant, but maybe most significant for um, this call, the amazing thing is uh, you did not form a 501c3 and ask for donations to make this happen. Can you address that part of how you've been working? Well, uh when my when a, my son came to me, uh, and he actually he called me on the phone. I was at work. Called me on the phone, and I was uh, 
I was working for a business, and it was a business administrator for a, a successful electrical contractor uh, here in in our area. And he said, hey, Dad, I volunteered you for something. And you know how that is. When you're not there at the meetings, you get volunteered for something. You, know, you never know what you're getting into. He said, I volunteered you to write the business plan for Simon Solutions. And I went, what? <laughs> I said, okay. I said, well, what is it you want to do, son? And he goes, we want to build a technology company. And I said, okay, all right. And, uh, you know, I'd worked many, many years in, uh, you know, the faith-based community and in faith-based nonprofits. And, uh, and, but then, you know, he wants to build a business. And I said, sure, we'll build a business. And, uh, but we wanted to do something that made a difference. And we saw where a lot of technology uh, is supposed to make our lives better and is supposed to be able to do it at a cost-effective price. And we, we learned that when we entered this market that there are technology companies that are out there who were supplying these services to these nonprofits and, and social service agencies at an escalated price. And we thought, that's not right, because they can't afford it. And so we decided that we were going to present. We were going to be what's, what we what we would be called as an example of disruptive innovation. And uh, we said, well, we're just going to do it different. We're going to do it better and cheaper. And uh, we did. And uh, people thought we were crazy. Of course, they still think we're crazy. But we have discovered that by doing that, we get adoption. And it's not that we're out to, to make a lot of money, although we do make a lot of money. But we uh, we want to make a difference, and all of us who work at the company we're we're not in it for the financial success. Although we we run a we run it like a business, and we run it uh, you know uh, I think exception exceptionally as a business. But at the same time, our highest priority is the mission, and our mission is to maximize the collective caring power of communities. And that's that's what gets us up in the morning, and, and that's what drives us every day. And it's building relationships with the people in communities and, and hearing the stories. We, we have people call us all the time and say, thank you so much for what you do, or you're an answer to prayer, or we're now doing something in our community that we never thought we could ever do before, and it's all because... Your technology is helping to support our efforts. And so that's, as we would say in Alabama, that cranks our tractor. <laughs> well, Mike, I've always felt it's a privilege uh, that I got to know you uh, from being on the board with you together, and I really appreciate you taking time to share your story with um, us who are live on the call and later on um, on the Good Cities website. Um, before we go to um, open questions from folks who are listening in, um, how can people learn more about uh, Charity Tracker um, and Oasis Insight, which we didn't even talk about uh, in their communities? And how can well, people get in touch with you? Oh, the easiest the easiest way to see what we do is you can start at simonsolutions.com. That's S-I-M-O-N-S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S.com. Go there, and then you'll you'll see our are more of the overview of who we are, or why we do what we do, how we do it. And then from there, uh, you can uh, go see the other two sites where the tools are, uh, Charity Tracker, 
oasisinsight.com and oasisinsight.net. And those are our two flagship products that we have today. And if you want to, you know, connect with me, you just connect with me easily by writing to me, Mike, at simonsolutions.com. Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, so at this point, we'll open up for questions. And I know some people have to leave uh, early instead of be on for the duration. So maybe if you got a question, you could shoot it out first. But if you would say who you are and where you're from and then ask your question. Mark LeClaire here. I know you talked a little bit about how you funded the creation of Charity Tracker and uh, that it wasn't donation-based, uh, but I missed kind of the gist of that. Could you talk again briefly about um, how you went about um, funding and building the uh, project initially? Uh, our money came in uh, from uh, two uh, investors who put up cash and then uh, developers who put up sweat equity. And uh, as we say, we, we started out trying to, we wanted to build social networking platforms, and, uh, and our investors saw the value in the people that they were investing in, more so than really what would be the final product of what we would actually build. So it was built on relationships, and... Uh, the two investors were very, very close friends of ours, and they, too, wanted to make a difference with their lives, and they thought it would be important to invest into the lives of those that had already invested their lives into community development. And so they thought, so they were investing in a mission of what we were doing, and uh, they just had great hopes as to what we develop. And, of course, Little did they know where we would go with all this, and it's, it was a tremendous blessing to them after that has happened. So, so that's that's how we got started. And did you already have relationship with the developers, or you sought out developers that would be interested in equity? We already had we already had the relationships with the developers, and even the developers. I, I guess uh, our venture would be more considered synergistic. Uh, we all had gifts and talents. But we were we had never come into a context in which we could uh corporately uh contribute to to that investment and get a synergistic return from it. So uh we were all very anxious to see what that was going to look like. And so we we really didn't know uh what direction we would end up in and I think much to everyone's surprise, uh it it happened the way it did. And that's why I have to suggest that this is a God story you know, and not necessarily a, a slick business idea. And uh, and we're just all very thankful to even be a part of it. Mike, this is a Bill Vogel song in Cleveland, Ohio. Hi. Um, You're I from know. Cleveland? Yeah, I've been to Cleveland. There you go. <laughs> Sun, sunshine capital of the world today. we got lots of charity tracker networks in Ohio. Is that right? Well, we need one more. Um I noticed on your website you have something called transformation roadmaps, tracking yes, outcomes, sir. measure lasting impacts. And I'm wondering, you know, um, Northeastern Ohio has been trying to figure out how to be more effective at starting new businesses. Recently, a group here hired um, the founder of Techstars, who's one of the largest accelerators in the world. And they did a study in Cleveland, and they said what we all knew, which is that we have 
we don't have the right culture to sponsor um, new business formation at the rate that we need to. And the biggest problem is that we have this siloed um, culture where there are lots of groups, mm -hmm. none of which know each other uh, or what each other's doing, et cetera. And it seems like that's a perfect solution or a perfect opportunity um, for to create a network like you're doing, but for um, not necessarily for raising money or, or you know food banks. And I'm wondering is is that your intent of the transformation roadmaps? Yes, it is. Now, when we say transformation roadmaps, uh, we like to see that happen at an individual, organizational, and a community level of engagement. And uh, from the individual standpoint, we, we have incorporated into our software uh, assessments and, and ways to monitor outcomes and impact. And so we're, we're developing the tools in which uh, an individual organization or a group of organizations work collectively can actually work with an individual and help them to create a action plan for moving from crisis to sustainability. And all of this is monitored in real time. And you can see the impact of this. That the more people that are a part of that collaborative or a continuum of care, if you will, uh, the more people that, that are a part of that provides more and more access to knowledge and understanding and the opportunities for an individual to actually move forward from that. And so what's when that's part of the transformation roadmaps. The other part is for an organization itself. Uh, we want to help the organization build capacity so it can not only sustain but also advance its mission. And by doing so, we have found that our technology increases funding for individual organizations. We had the lady at the United Way in uh, Charleston tell us, she says, we're using Charity Tracker to raise money. And I said, hey, what, what do you mean? She goes, because we're satisfying our donors that we're showing them that we're putting the right resources into the right hands. And so, and then since many of uh, funders are now moving more toward a collective impact rather than an isolated impact approach, it's called data-driven fundraising or data-driven financing, they are saying that they want to see cooperation increase in communities, and then we will fund that because the days of funding the individual organization, which may be in your community competing for the greatest amount of impact, funding and interest of funders, you know, those days are gone. You know, and telling telling the good stories, that a few good stories that one single organization may tell trying to raise money, those days are going away. And now funders are more interested in outcomes and impact rather than how many people you got standing in line. And so this is, excites us because now the technology is proving to be the increased connectivity that a community needs to increase in cooperation and coordination. And then by doing so, it's helping to transform the helping system. And so this is a win-win situation. So not only does an individual, an organization, now a community is transforming its overall helping system because it's encouraging multi-sector collaboration. And that's the cool part. And that's what we we get it all the time, and, we, and people are saying, this is revolutionary. We've never been able to do that before, but now we have. And so that, that's what excites us. And we are, and, and our recent development of hospitals, this, this is really 
this is ground we've we've not walked before. And we just recently had a, a hospital network uh, out in uh, North Carolina, and they now want to uh, develop a regional resource network and link together all the social service agencies in their area along with the hospitals, and so that they can uh, reduce the duplication of services and efforts, but also uh, they want to be able to better serve the people that are in need. And that's just so amazing. And uh, I don't think anybody's ever wrote books about it. We're going to write a book about it one day. We've got thousands of stories to tell, but it's just unprecedented, and it's just got us so jazzed. Forgive me, but I get excited about this. This is pretty exciting (laughs) stuff. As you should. Bill, any follow-up questions? Well, maybe maybe we'll take it offline, Mike. But um, yeah. Oh, by the way, Bill, there's networks in your area. Uh, City Mission, uh, Cleveland Right mm-hmm. Track, the Kidney Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, Ohio Godstone, Godstone. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at Robert and Anita Klein Charitable Foundation, the Greater mm-hmm. Cleveland Food Bank, uh, the Cleveland mm-hmm. Eastside Ex Offenders Coalition. They're all a part of of a charity tracker network in your area. Well, this this concept, you know, um, here in Northeastern Ohio, we we have lots of lots of organizations trying to focus on um, changing the way business is done, but you know, sort of each in their own little space and not collaborating. And if uh, it seems to me that that creating this collaborative network using software. Um, could really be transformational. So I'd love to explore explore that and see if this new product of yours is is an answer. Sounds promising. Mike, thank you so much. Um, I've always been overwhelmed and amazed uh, by what you guys have been able to do just for what you do, but then that you do it on a a basis that's self-sustaining like a business. So... uh, my mind, you're one of the top <laughs> examples of business doing good that I've that I've encountered. So thank you so much for joining us on the call today. And uh, any closing comments, Mike? No, I, I thank you for the opportunity to share our story. It's it's an amazing story, and I hope it's encouraging uh, that a business and I, I think uh, business leaders, especially Christian business leaders. Uh, should realize they can play a really uh, profound role in helping to transform people's lives and their community by uh, engaging in community conversations. And if I would encourage anything today is that engage your community in a community conversation, a multi-sector conversation, that it is possible for an entire community to work together for common good and greater impact. And... uh, I can give you over 1,200 examples of where it's happening across the United States. Excellent. Thank you, Mike. Um, Our next uh, Business Doing Good call will be on uh, Thursday, April 19th, same time, and uh, notices will be sent on that. Thanks for joining us on the call, everybody, and Mike, thank you again. Take care. Talk to you all later.